Hello and welcome again. And this is the next episode of Bicara Minggu Ini's Quick Takes. Today, we have two one two one of leading people here on Challenger. We have Jean Venetia and Alicia. Thank you for joining us on Bicara Minggu Ini. So, how has it been over the week? Um, there's been a lot of drama going on. So, let's start a bit of recap on this in, in this episode of Quick Takes. How has it been? Let's look at Parliament on the first day. How do you feel when you look at the Parliament? That change of the um, the parliamentary speaker, unfortunately, Tan Sri Muhammad Arif had to be had to leave his job. He's a nice man, but now we have a new speaker. Uh, what's your take on it, G? Okay, so hi, I'm Jean. I'm from Challenger, and um, I'd also like to add to that whole scenario. Uh, yeah, he's a nice man, but at the same time, I think what's more important about this issue is that he was democratically elected, and he was undemocratically removed. Um, so, how I feel as a Malaysian, uh, it's been this sort of plateau since February of just pure disappointment. Um, it went, my emotions went up a little bit from Parliament Digital because there was a lot of, um, I think, potential there. And then I think why everyone tuned into Dewan Rakyat is just so they can see eh, how are they compared to the kids, right? Um, I try not to... Um, you call know them what? kids? Yeah, I remember I had this conversation mm. with Arina and then we were like telling each other, because like, Arina and I, we, 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 we were literally saying we, we had so much fun watching uh, Parliament Digital, looking mm. at how they conduct themselves so well compared to the Parliament, you know, Parliament sitting. It's live on TV yep. and they're acting like kids. I mean, worse than five-year-olds. Even five-year-olds yeah. has, has more discipline. And years and years we've seen even parliamentarians saying so many unparliamentary words like it was so uncouth and they do it over and over again. Now, the reason why we don't call them kids because this is what a lot of the boomers, mm. the politicians, they do to dump down a lot on young parliamentarians. From that, how is the conversation between the young parliamentarians uh, with the parliamentary, the, the the members of the parliament, with in in this week of the session? I didn't understand the question. So the question is, you know, we've seen some of them actually talk to them. Yeah. How was the response from 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 them? Oh, mm. maybe you can. Uh, yeah, yeah, Alicia. It's been it's been good. Uh, from what I understand, the. Parliament Digital representatives are still meeting up with members of Parliament. They're still getting um, plenty of engagement. So they're shaping, um, they're talking to both sides of the political divide. They're shaping their opinions and they're basically trying to figure out what's next for them. And it's been a very interesting um, experience to watch and see their takeaways from all these little meetings. Um, so maybe 20 of them meet one MP. And then I think they had 50 of them meet Donem. Um, on a com call just a few days back. Oh, maybe you can share a bit more. What has been discussed in the com call? You know, how was it arranged? Um, was it was it a um, a call where okay, it's a Chatham House rule? But generally, you can share with us how how did the call went with with Tunan? We were having other meetings. Yeah, <laughs> we were here. So so we actually met uh, some of the mm. environment digital yes. people after mm. the call here uh, and. I, they noted a few things uh, that Tun is very good at not actually answering a question, 
when uh, while what, answering the question. What we call as uh, you know the usual politician Tai Chi. Uh, I mean that, and also I think he speaks in parables quite well. He's very adept. So maksud tersirat lah, like that. He's good at that. So and yeah. he's always good at kiasan means. It, it becomes very ambiguous. You don't know whether he's saying A or B, yeah. and it's up to you to interpret. That that's that comes with experience, <laughs> and that's why media sometimes love him. Mm. Reason why is that he loves to drop headlines, so it's ah. easier for a lot of press to write. But these are some of the things where um, young people like us we learn and how this older generation and they are so seasoned in managing media. But we look back at what happened in the parliament. Mm. You know, from parliament digital. We were so happy and high, you know, high spirited at how things are going on, and we have them talking to parliamentarians. And right on the first day, it got smack in the face. Look at what happened to uh, Mua MP Said Sadik, getting heckled, getting called chuchu 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 nak cakap, and they still heckled uh, a ninety-five year old MP. So how do you feel with that? You know, from challenges point of view, I think it's very alienating to both those groups, both young people and our senior citizens. Um, but at the same time, it does show that they just don't take their job seriously enough. They seem to think that Parliament belongs to the middle-aged man. Um, I, I also want to bring up, yeah. I also want to bring up, uh, you know, YB Kasturi, uh, who is also called very vile things. Um, and and this is not a, a single instance. I think what's different this time is that we're all paying attention, and that's important, especially like following the Black Lives Matter. Uh, movement like like we're we're I feel a bit more educated about noticing these things now and calling it out, and I'm glad to see the outrage the public has shown, um, but at the same time it shows that we've got a lot more work to do in educating and making it a norm to call these things out. You know, out from that that this, the we've seen that sort of outrage. I would not say outrage it has garnered a lot of attention from young people. Yeah. That's why we have the Our Time and Masakita hashtag coming out. How does it come up? What, what actually went through that thought process of having that Masakita and Our Time? Um, now let's delve deeper and, and how, I mean, this has been a long time that sort of, oh, we're saying it's the same old thing again. It's been a long yeah. time coming. It's been a long time. And these same people getting off the hook all the time. Mm-hmm. So I can share, share with us about it. I think Masa Kita really sums it up because it talks about how, you know, there is a time where it was the norm and we cannot let that norm continue in the political sphere because it's, well, it's divisive, it leaves people behind, it doesn't take into account um, different voices, different perspectives, um, and it repeats a pattern. It's, it's a pattern that they keep going through over and over again from whichever side of the divide they're on. And it's time to change that. And the only way to do that would be for the youth to stand up and be counted and say, I'm tired of complaining about these things. I'm ready to step in. It's our time. It's our time. Yes, exactly. When, when, I, when I interviewed Said Sadi in one of the earlier podcasts is that why don't young people, you know, it has been a normal thing back then in the 50s and 60s. Can you imagine those in those days and they're still alive today? Mm-hmm. You know, how old were they? They were, they were called as, uh, they were taken up the task as Secretary uh, Gene, you are the Secretary General Challenger, right? So look at Lin Kit Siang. He was a Secretary General at 26, 40 AP. Oh, 
by the way, I was 22 when this happened. <laughs> See, you're much younger. So at that time, those who are age 35 and below, um, 50 years ago, things, these things are considered norm, but not now. What went wrong? Those people didn't leave. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> most, most like they just it just stayed. Uh, the only reason I'm secretary now is because we started a new NGO with new <laughs> new people. We had to demand that space, and I think that that's what's different now. We're all just demanding our space and demanding and saying it's our time. We're tired of these old faces. I mean, don't just being get us wrong. We definitely acknowledge the service and the work that people yeah we essentially stand on their in. shoulders yeah but there has to be space for new people new blood new ideas to come in when you're supposed to retire you retire right okay this is not attending to anyone but in future because at the end of the day the median age for malaysian is 28.2 if mm. i'm not wrong that was two years ago by 2020 it's going to be 30. But if you look at numbers in parliament or even... 55. It. Yes, it's median age in the parliament is 55. And we're going to have 7.8 million um, new voters. And we have zero political education in school. Although education ministry is saying that they're going to have the element of politics in universities. But it's not enough. So in for you demanding that space, how will you work out as challenger, as an organization like this, in demanding this space, and how are we going to work on this timeline? Mm, interesting. I know this is going to be a really tough one. To yeah. Go, mm, no, okay. I, I think what is important is starting this movement with the intention of leaving eventually. Uh, that is something that we must do differently from the generation that came before us. Um, so mentorship and making sure that we involve new blood all the time, making sure that we don't hog the space and be very conscious about how much, you know, like we're doing now and also when we're going to leave. So really planning out that timeline is important. And I think it is also time for, especially like the 15 to 18 year olds, right? I mean, 16 year olds, especially now in, in like next year, they're, they're going to be preparing to, you know, like do their SPM, they need to really think about their future as citizens beyond just, you know, this, the futures as uh, young adults. Um, I know I can say we can push the government to implement da 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 da, but at the end of the day, it really starts with the culture from home, how they're brought up, like how they carry themselves among their friends, uh, how they carry themselves in their schools even. Um, and I think what's nice about Parliament Digital, for example, is that we've seen such leadership um, from very young people. And it's, it's also telling about like, young people are not uninformed. They are there, they just need a space. So. Us as challenger, what we can do is create that space and curate it in a way that we know that they're coming up and then letting it become theirs at some point. And do you feel that this is going to be a doable uh, process in the next five years? Is it doable? Some, you know, some have a different thought that this thing is not going to change. This is going to take at least two generations. But as young people, we are passionate and we can't wait for things to change just to make it happen. But it's been many generations. Yeah. And yeah. this is ours, so... <laughs> yeah, and hence, yeah. it's our time. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there, you know, there's always that sort of perception saying that, you know, the education and politics 
in West Malaysia, there's a huge difference between West Malaysia and mm. East Malaysia. However, that sort of perception has changed in, in Parliament Digital. And we have a very young speaker from Bintulu, who's, she's just 15. Moving forward from there, how will Challenger play its role in political education in East Malaysia? No. Uh, this is a heavy one because, yeah. to be honest, on the ground, in terms of political education mm. to the youth, it's not as, um, what I would say, it is not as strong as what we have seen here in West Malaysia. It's very active, very proactive kind of thing. But we have seen not th not many things going on in East Malaysia. What do you I think about that? I would argue that it's less a West Malaysia, East Malaysia divide and more a rural-urban divide. Yeah. I think the digital divide has a lot to play in this. If you don't have access to information, how do you stay aware and informed? Correct. I remember, let me quote another number again. It is about 36% of uh, Malaysian students have no access, no device, mm -hmm. no device at all during MCO. So the digital divide, it's very real. 36% of that is about more than 350,000 students with no device and no access to education. They can access to online um, um, online classes. So with this digital divide, but we know that the expansion and all that is going on and devices are getting cheaper. You can get smartphones at a cost of less than 300. But again, the socioeconomic ability of a rural and urban divide, it's real as well. So how do you bridge in, in with facing this challenge on digital divide? So I think that as an NGO, Challenger just keeps has uh, just has to keep raising these kind of issues and making the people who do have access aware of the divide. Obviously, these are things that need to be addressed structurally and widespread across the whole nation. So these are things that we just have to champion in terms of policy, in terms of implementation, and really push and advocate for that. What say you, Eugene? Yeah, I was thinking, right, you know, Jacinda Arden in New Zealand, what she did was she sent laptops and routers to uh, rural students. And I think what we can also do is lobby for our government to adopt similar policies mm. um, and at the same time just bypass them and try to, you know, like get companies to sponsor. Maybe in terms of data collection, we can help. Maybe in terms of engagement, we can help. But at the end of the day, these are structural things that, that need government intervention and better infrastructure as well. Like you can't send these things out if the roads are not fixed. You can't send these things out if there's no internet to connect them to, right? Yeah, you can't so, send this out because they, they still need clean water and at electricity. At the end of the day, the basic needs must be met before anything can be... Everything, again, it's Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like you need to fulfill some of these before you can even reach just having an ed education. And education by right is a right. So we're not doing very well in East Malaysia. Correct. Uh, point taken on that. This is a very, very good thing. Then again, it's also in rebuttal to those who think like, um, you got to feed, make sure they can feed themselves because before we go into issues on reforms. Uh, there are some of those who are saying that our oh, reform agenda is not important, but let's solve that first. Mm. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you think about those people who are saying uh, that? I, again, it, it really comes with educating why it's important. 
Um, I think few people see the connection between policy and their real life problems of you know not having enough food on the table, not having a salary that can support a family, and that's where education from NGOs can come in. It's where just having conversations in mamas can you know really spark this interest. Um, again, political literacy education is very important um, just to bridge that disconnect. I don't know. What do you want to? Policy is one thing, but the reform agenda addresses the systems that create policy. So the system that is supposed to look after your well-being and translate to policy, which people can feel, is not working. Then the policy isn't going to work because um, the words and stuff might be passed in the in the day one right yet might be gazetted. But if it doesn't trickle down to the people, what is the point? And at the same time, right, I think there's a disenchantment with the system as it is. Like, people are so turned off by this conversation that we have to work harder at educating them. And saying young Malaysians are lazy. No, I wouldn't say young Malaysians are lazy. I mm. just think they are... They're sort of, I mean, that, that was... Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah the, that, was, that came out yeah, from yeah, boomers. Yeah. It's right? like a common, yeah. like... It's a common exception. perception towards young Malaysians that mm. young Malaysians are um, not... Um, they're not interested to do hard jobs, menial jobs, or change their mindsets, or um, taking up difficult part. Uh, and actually, in the actual fact, they are not. They are really hardworking. Mm. Just that sometimes they don't. They are not given that chance like everyone else. Yeah, Precisely. job job opportunities are not proportionate to your level of education at this point. Now, moving on the jobs, right? We are going to expect about seven percent of unemployment in the country. Do you think? With the Pinjana and Prihati, um, the, the, the stimulus package, do you think it's enough? Because we are going to project to about 1.2 million people out of jobs. And what's scary is that we have about 51,000 new graduates every year. Those are undergraduate. 5,000 postgraduate students are going to graduate every year mm-hmm. to find themselves without any job. And this situation will only take about 18 to 24 months to recover. So do you think the government is doing enough to address this? I mean, they're already calling this October Bloody October. Oh, uh, yeah. can you tell us more about um, what is Bloody October? Bloody October is when you know, people start losing their homes or you know, they, the, the companies simply cannot afford to continue, so they foreclose. It's, uh, it's, it's mass financial and economic failure. Um, on a personal scale, on a company scale. I don't, I don't know if you've seen this report. Uh, I think I read it on the edge. I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, it, because this is what happens when people lose their jobs, right? They can't afford to, to take care of their homes. And moving forward as well, like, you know, we have to think 15 years from now, we were already going to prepare for AI to come in. Um, and uh, it's bleak. I. I don't have a good answer for how to deal with this because everyone's going to be struggling other than, you know, looking for ways to see opportunity in all this. You could move into entrepreneurship, for example, like you have to move into agriculture, Uh, you know, food shortage might might be a real thing. Like you really have to look for spaces in which our skills accept that it might not matter and also come into a new world because we are in a new world, and it, it's a it's a world that doesn't need what we already know. So it's not a very nice new normal. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's also kind of like a world trend. Um, it's gonna be a world recession after all. Yeah. And another another part of trend that we are so looking because we are going back to another part of politics is that the uh, growing conservatism, far right, mm. and that sort of clash between the two, and uh, people are dividing, looking at each other based on people of color, skin, creed, religion. There's also a growing part of racial, religious kind of connotation to the mainstream political uh, discussions, and. As young people like you guys in Challenger, um, how do you look at this kind of trend, particularly in Malaysia? It's just, it's as if saying sexist thing to women, mm. it's normal. It's as if saying that you're dark is normal. So how do you look at this? And probably start with Alicia. What do you think? That the growing disparity, the, the, this sort of divide of using race and religion into political mainstream? I think historically it's always been done. I think, again, they're just repeating patterns because that's the easiest it's way. Convenient. Yeah, it's, it's the easiest way. You just, you just use the race and religion cards to incite people. You get them emotional about it, even if it is based on like half-truths. And you get, a, you get an emotional response, which to you is validation. So it's something that politicians in Malaysia have relied on since independence, I would even argue. And it's something we need to step away from if we're going to go forward and be a united and true Malaysia. So what about you, Eugene? Yeah, so I, I would argue that we have a responsibility to be better. Like, we are aware now, um, and we just don't give in to this divide um i think as malaysians especially right now what will hold us all together is this crisis that we're all going through together um and at the same time because it's so clearly malaysian it's so clearly global in fact that it'll get to a point where race won't matter and i'm I, this is an idealist in me lah. um <laughs> it's I want to believe that we share our pain and we need to talk about not having enough food on the table. We need to talk about, you know, our children not being employed. We need to talk about our kids not getting an education or if education is even necessary. It's it's a new age. Lah, and I, I feel that, that this whole racial thing will just die if we stay committed to the fact that more things keep us together than divide us. Oh, looking for it. Elections gonna come at any time. Yeah, it might be early. It might be later So how would challenger play your part in putting more young people into parliament? You know, what's your goal? How many young people do you want to push to be in the parliament? Mm, um, enough to swing. I think that number is now three <laughs> Only three? I mean, yeah, you, you saw the vote, right? It was uh, mm -hmm. a, a difference of two mm -hmm. um, in favor of uh, the government currently um, technically, you only need three young people to really swing. Uh, <laughs> only three young people, those who are age 40 and below in the parliament. 30, I would argue. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> 35 lah. <laughs> Not 35 people in the parliament. Um, 35 young, young I, parliamentarians. I, I, mean, I mean, the number is not as important as the intention, mm -hmm. I feel. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, what we can do is really push for that third force. Um, we're 
Youth participation. Youth participation. Yeah, the third course as well. You know, we talk about third course because right now it's like a two-party system. Yep. One is Pakatan Harapan, the other one is Perikatan National. And we know that Pakatan Harapan and Perikatan National is pretty much the old fogies again. Mm. You know, I know old fogies may sound bad, but then again, it becomes a very hierarchical. You go through a certain level again. Then there are those who go in power who are still up there. They don't want to leave the post. Will they be a party for the young people? This is interesting. Like, um, and and a lot of us are divided on this. So I I stand that you know this this new party that is uh, <laughs> hint might. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I, I, but the thinking behind you know if <laughs> this party starts is uh, it should be a Malaysian party. party. It should be a Malaysian party. Mm-hmm. Like like you know just now we mentioned um, our. There, there are two different types of minorities in parliament right now. There's a senior citizen, and then there's also, you know, your uh, young, young, young folk. But if you were to put an age cap on this party, what would happen is we would essentially be playing into another type of exclusivist exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think that would appeal to the general rakyat because the general rakyat at the end of the day is also half above the age of uh, 35, 40. Um, so I would argue that it can be youth-led, it, and you don't need a youth wing. This is another thing I'm, I've been very against. You don't need a youth wing. You don't it, need a women's wing either. No, you need a, you need a women's wing. You need yeah. a women's wing. And for example, with the child marriage issues, like these these are things that are specifically women. Domestic violence, okay, not specifically women, but. Again, but I'm gonna pose you yeah. a question: Is that yep. do you do you think you know, both Jean and Lisha? Do you yep. think like having a youth leader or Definitely. a women leader in in a political party do they do you think like this is like a token no no so this is why whatever new party that comes up must already have this and it must be an obvious thing like if mm. you have to say you're young and if you have to say that you're a woman it's not obvious enough right mm. like like i i feel people like um, Okay, can I say names like the YB of Ampang, for example? Like, like, Go ahead. Yeah, like she she has weaponized um, this this whole women's and and it, for good reason, you know. Like like I believe that you need to set quotas. I believe that you need to open up spaces. But at the same time, it's it's been an ongoing theme, and we need to enter an age in which it's a no-brainer. Like being led by a woman, sure. Being in that room, sure. Having a voice, sure. What you are at this point needs to be there. Like we need to, ex- like we need to be inclusive about how we think as well. Like we can't just have tokens there. We need to have people who are there because they are of merit, and at the same time, just have that that like just don't be close to a woman either. Like like let's put it this oh, way. You, Alicia. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Mm. Um, Every Malaysian should look at the 222 members of the Dewan Rakyat and see themselves represented in some way, shape, or form. That that's the goal. We should be represented. Dewan Rakyat, not Dewan politician, you know. <laughs> or Dewan party. Or Dewan party, or Dewan block, whatever. So. so. You know the you know do you think that this is gonna be uh, you know having a new party because um, another. I think some of you have read Dr. Wong Jingwat's piece. Mm. You know, a lot of the youth will be very much centered in the urban area, but not in the rural area. And there will be a serious um, misrep, and I wouldn't say misrepresentation, but mm. now this part on, um, they'll be mostly in the, but not in the rural area, but most of the seats are actually in the rural area. Well, what do you think, Alicia? 
I think this is a serious job for the EC to really look at the guidelines and standards at which they delineate. I think that really we need to be proportional and representational. Part of the reform agenda. Yeah, and, and that's why it's important. And looking forward, what's next for Challenger? What's coming up for Challenger? Um, you know, if I'll come to where like, people would like to join Challenger, we'll ask Jean and Alicia to tell you how you can help and support Challenger. <laughs> so what's upcoming for Challenger? Uh, well, for starters, we have these 222 really young, really eager um, parliament digital reps that we intend on, you know, making sure that their voices are still heard and they progress and have that take up that space in the the nation building that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what what's next is really just all the same stuff that we used to do. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna open call to join um, and you know put energies together and, and work towards uh, building this third force with the support of the two hundred and twenty two and possibly us. I think it's the other way around. I think it's us supporting them, just platform the platforming them forward. Mm-hmm. Um, where you put enough young people, enough good hearts, good brains, good just passionate people together and we can do almost anything. Yeah. So we are going to expect a lot more political education and uh, as well as, you know, there's a possibility. Do you have any plans um, from Challenger? Because a lot of youth are kind of disenfranchised from joining any political parties. Any plans to actually help to, um, for example, campaign for a lot more young people and helping them, for example, getting the campaign started and even run for the upcoming parliamentary, le- you know, get a seat in the parliament? Uh, yes, there are plans, but wait for us. Hooray. <laughs> so, how would one join Challenger, Gina Alicia? You Go away. Drop us a message on Facebook or Twitter or, or you know hit, hit one of us up on Instagram where I, I think we're all personally quite quite I know I am uh, <laughs> y'all need an Insta story more <laughs> like just, just hit us up DM us uh, just say hey I'm a young person I want to commit two hours of a week you know just volunteering or even come if on you in. just have questions that you would like to pose and, and get like answers about like what we do what we stand for DM the page tweet too. us where that like, you can I think also hit we up Numan or Ariel about or, this yeah <laughs> like we're, we're reachable I think that's what we're trying to say very approachable we hope alright <laughs> <laughs> and that's it and uh, I would like to thank uh, Jean and Alicia for joining me on Charming Uni's Quick Take Jean, and you can Jean. follow them on Facebook Twitter as well as Instagram if you have any questions you can Throw it away and ask Jean and Alicia. Don't throw it away, throw it at us. Yeah, just throw it, don't throw it away. But if you like to join politics or whatnot, if you have any questions, maybe you can ask Challenger to help you out. Yeah, we will guide you the way, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. (laughs) And um, here, and this is the episode on Be Charming Guini's Quick Takes. You're listening to BMI Be Charming Guini, uncovering current affairs and politics. And you can listen to the stories and interviews on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. And also on Apple, you can find me on iTunes for more updates and stories. If you have any suggestions, you can tweet to me at I'm Nomko. Thank you for listening and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>